back to the Coast Sports Show. I'm your host, Colin Watkins. It has been a while, but it's going to be back in the saddle here today. we got a lot of football to talk about here, folks. And we're going to start off with the Colts because essentially their season is over. Yep, I'm going to call it right now with three games left in the regular season. It's over because I don't see them winning more than a couple of games and they cannot win the division in my mind my mind at this point because they gave up the one game just like last year the one game that they had to have as the season was ending last year it was the Jaguars if they could take care of business against the Jacksonville Jaguars they would have been in the driver's seat and could have controlled their own destiny and made the playoffs this year it came down to Sunday's game against the Houston Texans six and six record for everybody including the Titans Division on the line, we all know we can't win a wild card seed because we're the AFC South. And unless you're in the AFC South, you know that that division is the joke of the NFL. But it also gives us an easier season and the ability to make the playoffs with a bad record. But here's why the Colts aren't going to make the playoffs now. Because we gave it up on Sunday. That's the short, quick answer. Now we'll break it down. Why? How did the Colts lose to a 6-6 six and six Houston Texans team that, that barely beat them in Game 1 of their matchup earlier in the season? Because that happened by a last-minute comeback in the fourth quarter when the Colts' defense completely fell apart. Well, the Colts are a bad team. Now, they were coming off of a great win against the New York Jets. <clears throat> That was Monday night. But if you watch that game and have any knowledge of football, you know that the Jets are terrible. I mean terrible. I haven't seen defense that bad in years. We talked about the Broncos' defense last season. They were incredible. One of the best I've seen. Well, the the best defense I have ever seen. A lot of people comparing them to the 85 Bears. And since I didn't see the Bears then I think the Broncos are better, but that's just me. The Jets may just be the worst defense I have ever seen. I mean, we're talking wide receivers were wide open. Tight ends were just running hook routes and waiting for the ball. The the second touchdown to Dwayne Allen, Andrew Luck looks down the field. He lobs the ball up before the pressure gets there. It's hanging in the air. Dwayne Allen is sitting on the two-yard line, just waiting to get hit from behind. He waits and waits and waits. The ball finally gets there. He catches it, turns, and there's no one there on defense. And he walks into the end zone for a touchdown. Now, Dwayne Allen also had two other touchdowns. One was wide open, and the other one was an incredible catch. That was the only coverage I saw all day long, and Allen still made the touchdown. The Jets were a terrible, terrible team, and they made the Colts look good. The Colts exposed the fact that the Jets are terrible. But that didn't make the Colts a good team because we still struggled in the same areas we struggled all season long. Andrew Luck does not make quick decisions. And so when his wide receivers were wide open against the Jets, he hit them. And they made him look good. But he did not make close throws in coverage. 
His receivers did not catch contested balls. And the offensive line, even though it was against the Jets, they still gave up a sack and could not protect Luck because he takes so long to make a decision in the pocket that even the Dallas Cowboys offensive line could not protect him that long. And they are one of the most highly touted offensive lines in the NFL. I'm just calling it, though. They couldn't protect Luck as long as he needs because the man, however smart he is, I know he graduated from Stanford, and they say he has one of the highest football IQs in the league. He can't make quick decisions. He has the mechanics to make all the throws. We know that. But he can't make the quick decision, and that is killing the Colts this season. It hurt him last year, literally, when he got injured and missed half the season. And it's really hurting him this season when he's been in the game and still can't get it done. That's why the Colts are going nowhere. Even if they had won Sunday, they would go nowhere in the playoffs. But since they are losing the, losing the division and missing the playoffs, we're going to take a bigger picture here. you got to do something about management. I mean, the Colts organization has to change. We've had the same guys year after year with few tweaks, and we can't get it done. And we look worse and worse. We may just finish 8-8, eight and eight, the same record we had last season when Luck missed half the year. When our star franchise player missed half the year, we're going to have the same record with him. Yeah, he missed one, se- one game this season. We were going to lose that game regardless against the Steelers because they expose poor football teams. So what has to happen? you got to let go either Chuck Pagano, who I don't think has it, has enough to be an NFL head coach. I don't think he can get a team to the Super Bowl. Or, and or, Ryan Grigson, who continually puts lower quality players out on the field and expects greatness. At some point, you have to forget about his first two seasons in the draft and in the offseason and realize this guy was a fluke and we got to get someone better in higher management. That's what it comes down to, Colts. Colts fans across Indianapolis and the nation. Because you all know I'm a Colts fan. I love the Colts. But I recognize there is a problem that we keep trying to band-aid. And it's a flesh wound that will not heal, no matter how many band-aids you put on it. And that is management. You can't keep doing it. The definition of a fool is to do the same thing over and over and over and expect different results. I hate to break it to you guys, but that's what the Colts are doing. Year after year after year, we're expecting Andrew Luck to save us and make the playoffs and make a playoff run with the same poor coaching, the same poor off-season moves and draft selections, and we're expecting better and better results. I'm telling you, it was a miracle the Colts did so well the first three, four years of Andrew Luck's career. Taking a step each year in the playoffs, that was a miracle. We didn't realize how good Andrew Luck was. But for whatever reason, he is struggling now. 
His confidence, that's what it is to me. He, his confidence isn't there, and he's not making the throw when he sees the first read. I'm not saying he has to throw to that first guy that is in his progression of reads. I'm saying he is, for whatever reason, not making the throw that he knows he needs to make the throw until it's too late, and then he's looking for something else. He's waiting for the perfect throw, and a lot of times that is not there. It was there against the Jets. The perfect decision was there against the New York Jets because there was almost always one guy wide open. And Andrew Luck found him. He's going to find the wide open guy if there is one. But when there is not, and that has been the case most of the season, even though T.Y. is a great wide receiver, they have not exposed defenses and gotten open to the point where Andrew Luck will let it fly. So he stays in the pocket, he gets banged up, he gets sacked, and then he starts making poorer and poorer decisions. And that's how we got to where we are today. Six and seven, below 500 in the AFC South. We got swept for the first time ever by the Houston Texans. We didn't even get swept by them without Peyton Manning when we had Orlovsky and Kerry Collins, who only played a quarter of that season, and Curtis Painter behind center. We still beat the Texans once that year, but no more. The run is over, and hopefully reality has hit for Jim Irsay and the Indianapolis Colts because something has to be done. All right, moving on just a little bit here, staying in the realm of football. But switching to fantasy football. Because the fantasy football playoffs for many of us started this last week. Or they're starting this week. In which case, I hope you already set your lineup because it's Friday. Regardless, I made the playoffs this season. I was very proud of it because I started 1-4 and and won 8 straight to come back and get the 4 seed out of a 5-seed playoffs. 11 teams in the league. Don't ask me why we did 5 seeds. That was not my decision. Regardless, in the one game that was played in week one of the playoffs, yours truly completely folded. Not one player on my team scored a touchdown. Can you believe that? I was averaging over 100 points, which in our league was pretty good. It was right up there with everyone. I scored 48 points. Completely choked. That was my team. And I had guys like Jameis Winston, Ezekiel Elliott, Des Bryant, Jarvis Landry, Theo Riddick, and not so good, Minnesota Vikings defense, Matt Bryant, the kicker. None of these guys, obviously Matt Bryant wasn't going to score a touchdown. None of them scored a touchdown. Rushing, receiving, throwing, you name it, they did not do it. But that's not even what I'm most upset about. Because in our league, there were two teams colluding to try and give one team a Super Bowl. See, one of our guys was playing the winner of my game. So obviously I was invested in his interests. And then the other guy had missed the playoffs. He was trying to trade three to four of his very good players to the playoff contender 
for garbage. Well, that was not going to fly. Myself and my opponent of the week made sure we contacted everyone in the league to veto this trade. Well, the people we knew would support a veto. Because that breaks the ethics of the idea of fantasy football. Competing to the best of your ability. Not giving away teams at the end of the season. I don't know why there isn't, a, isn't some kind of ban on trades once the playoffs start. But in our league, there isn't. And there should be. Alright, that was my little fantasy football rant. My season is over. I'll try again next year. Next year, I'm going to hit the draft, folks. And things will be different. Because I missed it. But still worked with what garbage I got. And made the playoffs. Only to fall. So, moving on. Jeff Fisher. Fired. In the words of Espen. Thank you, Ron Burgundy. He was let go by the St. Louis Rams. Really? Espen. The St. Louis Rams haven't been the St. Louis Rams for almost a full year now. Oh, right. But the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, that's never going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about the Ron Burgundy quotes there. But actually, it does fly, just like the Rams did, all the way from St. Louis in the Midwest to the West Coast Los Angeles. And that's where they've been for nearly a year, almost an entire football season. As they played their 13th game last night. Got crushed, I might add. But they're the Los Angeles Rams, not the St. Louis Rams. Now, I can understand if someone's mouth slips on the radio. Like me, for, for instance. But when you're talking about Espen, thank you, this is a reputable... Huge, huge reputable sports website. And when they get it wrong, that's just laziness. That is poor journalism. I'm sorry, Espen, but you really botched this one. Something on TV, something on the radio even, that can slip. But when you publish an article with the title, misinforming people. That is a blunder, and I'm going to call you out on it. Because so much of what we do, folks, let me give you a little insight into the radio business and the sports broadcasting business. So much of what we do is research. That's practically all we do. If I could rank it, I would say 75%. And for this show, 90% is research. That's all I'm doing. To make sure that my facts are straight, that I understand the story, so that I can then relay it to you in a meaningful way and a truthful way. And if I can't do that, how am I better than anyone else off the street? Aside putting away my broadcast knowledge and my ability to utilize a studio. And my ability to portray thoughts on the fly. Put all of that aside and experience. If I don't know the stories well, then why can't my neighbor who loves football do the show? Because of the work you put in. You have to be knowledgeable about these things. You have to be more knowledgeable than the most intense fan. Because if you make a mistake 
on TV or on the radio, or especially in journalism, you will get called out. And so I'm just laying it out there, ESPN. Yeah, that's what, that's what they're really called, folks. I'm just laying it out there. You guys dropped the ball in a big way. I'm disappointed in your product. Now, I know we all make mistakes, but this was laziness. I hope you can learn from this and improve your product. That's what I do every week. That's my goal. Study what I have put forth and improve upon that week by week by week. But you're an established, gigantic sports website, and you still made this mistake. I just have to shake my head at that. Okay, final point for today's show. We are staying in the NFL. In fact, we're just going a little bit north of Indianapolis and to the west where the Colts will be playing this Sunday. The home of the Minnesota Vikings. A couple of weeks ago, they played the Cowboys on Thursday night football. And we all thought the Cowboys would win, and they did. The Cowboys are a great football team, actually. But here's what stood out to me as I watched Thursday night football. Jeff Locke. Who? Yeah. Jeff Locke, the punter. The Minnesota Vikings punter in the NFL, the National Football League. We're talking a professional football player. Probably had one of the worst outings a punter has had in the history of NFL. And of course, I have no statistics to back that up. But I recognize that it was a terrible performance. The guy had seven punts. His longest, this was not a terrible punt, was 43 yards. His average, his average punt, seven punts, was 31.9 yards. 31. That's the distance it is from my backyard's fence to the other backyard, to the opposite side. And that's the distance that me, when I was 13, 14 years old, was punting the football. Yeah, granted, those were probably line drives, but I had to work through tree branches, telephone wires, and dogs running into me to get those punts off. And I could still punt it 30 yards. This guy is in the NFL, and he can't punt more than 30 yards. He had a 16-yard punt. Now, I know you hit it off the side of your foot sometimes. But I'm talking when I broke my ankle and then in recovery was punting the football with my left foot. I could still punt farther than 30 yards. My brother and I can punt better than this guy, and we've never played a day of organized football in our lives. Now, I know we're spoiled in Indianapolis with the best punter in the league in Pat McAfee, and I'm going to say it, and I'll stand by it. He is the best punter in the NFL. Yes. I'm calling out the announcers a couple of weeks ago who said, before the Jets game, 
that McAfee was having some struggles with, with touchbacks and that he wasn't really that good of a punter. And I loved what happened next. He pinned one inside the five-yard line. You know what? A, a high percentage of the punts that have gone into the end zone for Pat McAfee this season have been because of blunders by his coverage team. I can think of at least four instances off the top of my head where they accidentally pushed it into the end zone or made a blunder and missed it and let it go into the end zone. This guy is an incredible punter. And he wasn't even a punter in college at West Virginia. He was a field goal kicker. A great one, too. Which is why I'm excited for whenever Vinatieri hangs up the cleats, we've got a young protege who will easily take the reins for years to come. This guy, though, is one of the best punters I've ever seen. And when he laid the hit on the Denver Broncos return man a few years ago, the league knew he was good. We all knew he's a competitor in Indianapolis, but everyone knew after that. But back to the Vikings, Jeff Locke, what happened? I mean, Pat McAfee got drafted by the Colts, and him and his dad went out on the football field and said, well, I guess we got to learn how to punt the football. That was years ago. I understand that. But Jeff Locke, how do you not know how to punt the football yet? How do you get seven punts and still only average 31 yards? You've been in the league for three, four years now. This is your fourth year. And you put out a performance like that. That's embarrassing. It, it wasn't just one mistake. For whatever reason, Jeff Locke could not kick the ball farther than that. And that's ridiculous. To say that I could do a better job than any NFL football player, any NFL football player at any position in any aspect of the game is ludicrous. And yet the point stands that I could have a few weeks ago. In fact, you probably could have if you have any experience playing football. Oh, I wish you the best, Jeff Locke. I hope you practice a lot and get things back in gear because you need it. Oh, that's going to wrap it up for Coast Sports Show here today, folks. I hope you enjoyed the show. Join me again next time. And in the meantime, have a great week.